Well, hello and welcome to the Profit Express. I'm Tim Healy. I'm inviting you to join me each and every Wednesday so you can be prepared to win the battle for business. And hey, as always, thanks for sharing some of your time with me today. And of course, a big thanks to our great friends and sponsors, Corbett Public Relations, where they've been promoting and protecting businesses and brands for over 30 years. So do yourself a favor, visit Bill and his team at CorbettPR.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. PR.com. Welcome aboard, everybody. So, I'm sure you, like everybody else out there, has an opinion on Bud Light, the recent campaign they did with Dylan Mulvaney. But here's the thing for today's show. Whether you think it was a great ad, a fantastic ad, or you thought it was an absolute disaster of an ad... That really doesn't matter for this show today, because in a marketing move like this, in a marketing and branding strategy that Bud Light chose to engage in, there are so many lessons to be learned, okay? In the 18 days since the video aired, it was April 1st, the market capitalization for Anheuser-Busch dropped $4.71 billion as of yesterday. Now, again... It's a short period of time. Can it rebound? Of course it can. We don't know what the long-term uh, effect or impact of this ad is going to be. But 18 days in, we have almost a $5 billion decline in Anheuser-Busch's market capitalization. Now, while most of the small business owners listening to the Profit Express fans of the show, um, we wish we could have our market value drop by $5 billion and still be hugely successful. So it's not really an option for many of us, but it is in this whole saga of this Bud Light ad with Dil Mulvaney that there are a ton of great lessons to be learned and how they can apply, more importantly, to you, your business, and your brand. So once this really kind of hit the mainstream, and we've been talking about it somewhat nonstop for the last several weeks, there was one person I knew I wanted to have on the show, and he is none other than Bill Corbett, yes, of Corbett Public Relations. So when we talk about public relations, when we talk about crisis management, which Bud Light has had to engage in, uh, Bill is my go-to source on the show to get his opinion and his thoughts. So, Bill, it's a great pleasure to have you back. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, Tim. It's been a little while since I've seen you, so it's uh, it's good to be here and talking about some interesting topics. And <laughs> we're going to talk about drinking something else. Uh, well, it's, or not exactly. Exactly right. And and here's I always have you on when there's interesting topics to be spoken about. And I know we spoke a few years ago about when Gillette did their ad campaign on toxic masculinity back in 2019. And here we are 2023 with a, another very interesting choice by by Bud Light to choose to uh, partner with, you know, the, the social media influencer Dylan Mulvaney. So let me just jump into it with you. Bottom line, should businesses get involved in socially heated topics? Well, I think first you have to think about, you know, when you're in, when you're working with influencers and celebrities and people, right? So mm -hmm. I call it the good, the bad, the ugly of, you know, of paid spokespeople or, or people who are, you know, really bringing out your brand message, right? The good is if you connect with somebody who understands the brand, they can share it. 
But the bad and the ugly are the bad is someone who's not good at explaining the brand and, and connecting with it. And the ugly is if you have somebody who is a, a controversial person. I'm not saying that Dylan Mulvaney is necessarily controversial. Maybe to some people she is and to some people she isn't. And that's right. and that's just how, how people perceive it. But the fact is today, everything a business does, you have to take a moment to look and see what are some of these potential societal, political and controversial aspects to a campaign or hiring a spokesperson to, to be part of your business to get your message out and how do they connect or don't connect or disconnect from your from your current customers. So it's so it's a very interesting complex strategy, especially for companies like Anheuser Busch that you know they said they lost five billion in market cap. They're a hundred billion dollar you know a company you know in, in that capacity. But the, the real loss may come in terms of profits when it comes to the sale of product, you know, mm -hmm. at beer distributors or bars. So, so there's a couple of different facets to look at here. So but number one thing is to, to look at, you know, take a, take a mirror and look at yourself and look at, look at the products you're selling and, and, and look at your campaign and think about it from every single conceivable angle and, you know, to see how or if it could potentially backfire. So, I mean, it's very interesting with this. You know, I'm sure you maybe you have seen they had the VP of marketing who uh, they had her out there talking about the campaign. And listen, any business out there wants to expand market share. OK, there's nothing wrong in that. And, you know, are they trying to connect with the trans community? I have to imagine that was part of their idea. Again, maybe giving a new face and a new feel to Bud Likes. I think as that VP of marketing said, it had kind of become like a, a frat house, frat boy kind of beer. And the brand needed a facelift. I'm kind of paraphrasing what she said in that video. She said, she said the brand was in decline. You know, yes, and, and that, yes. you don't necessarily want to hear, you know, that being said publicly or even privately. And but but Budweiser and Bud Light are have been a, a little bit relegated to not as relevant today as they may have been, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. And so so for that meeting and, and most brands need a refresh. They need to become current. You know, they mm -hmm. need to be appeal to different audiences. There's a lot of Gen Z, Gen X and et cetera out there who want to they want to communicate with. So the, the key is how do you refresh brands? How do you how do you reach out to new audiences without potentially alienating or angering in this in this particular case certain aspects of your current client base? So it's a very interesting, you know, again, strategy that has to be considered here. And I know when their their marketing rep went out there and tried to kind of explain it to people, um, I don't know if that was very effective. But it's but it is important for companies not to hide. And their CEO did come out later and they issued a kind of wishy-washy statement saying we want to provide quality product to people and, and discussions about these types of things should be had over a beer. You know, and and that and that's and that's wonderful. But it's one of these in the business, it's one of these statements that says something but says nothing. You know, and it's it's vanilla, white toast, whatever you want to call it. It just is. It's they said something because they had to say something, but they really said almost nothing. Yeah. So, so, so and I know you help your clients. You know, when the need does arise on crisis management, and, and companies can be in those situations. Um, sure. How do you think they? How do you think they handle? It? I mean, you, you kind of already touched upon it. Like if you had to give them a grade, what grade would you give uh, Anheuser Busch for this? 
Well, I mean, I think in the research side, when they were planning on what they were doing, they don't get a very good grade. They probably get a C because I don't think they looked at all aspects of what they're doing. They were doing and looked at mm-hmm. their their current customer base. And look, the, the trans topics and this is it's a very hot topic right now. You can't you can't go anywhere without hearing about it. And, sure. You know, from Florida to so anywhere across America, so it's a hot topic, and you can see how the media and you can see how people you know kind of galvanized around it from both sides. So. Um, do, do I think they handled it well? Um, I, I don't think they did. They handled it very well as, as of as of now. But the fact of the matter is that in most cases, when you have a situation like this where you have a disruptive, uh, controversial situation, Nike had something similar with Colin Kaepernick, and mm-hmm. there's been other situations over the years, that if you look at it historically, these types of things don't normally impact the brand in the long term. You know, it's going to impact the guy and gal who own a liquor store or, or a package store or a beer distributor, and that product isn't going off the shelves and it's going to hurt their bottom line, but they're selling other product, hopefully. You know, um, right, but right. All, all, probably if you look at this in, in six months or a year, um, it may not be that, that big of a deal. But, you know, some people have long memories, and if they feel that this, this controversy in choosing this particular spokesperson for this campaign, which is one of many campaigns that Anheuser-Busch has, and we can talk about the positive, you know, ads they've recently done to to play up their American spirit and Clydesdale image. That, you know, it, it, it's just part of a long term look back we have to do to see what what will really be the impact of this smaller campaign. Hey, look, nobody was talking about Bud Light a couple a couple weeks ago. Now they're talking about Bud Light. So when they say <laughs> sometimes, you know, no publicity. Is is not you know you want you want any publicity is good publicity as they say so people are talking about the brand. All right, so, but let me ask, all right, so let me ask you this. So again, you know the headline is their their market valuation drops almost five billion. Okay, but it's eighteen days. Will they rebound? And to your point, which is a great point, the likelihood, like with Gillette or like with Nike, it probably isn't going to affect them, and they're going to rebound. Again, time will tell. Will it be different with Bud Light, Budweiser? We don't know. Um, do you think they lost sight of who their core customer is in choosing uh, Mulvaney as a spokesperson? I, I think they probably didn't consider their core customer and their and what their reaction would be. But the, the question is, they did it because they didn't think they had as many of those core customers anymore. You know, I think mm. they were moving away and they were losing relevance, as they said. I don't know what their sales were, but if they're choosing to go in a different direction, then to reach to a different community. My, my question is that is, is the trans population in the United States large enough to really focus that, focus their attention on that, or is a marketing campaign that's larger that may have elements of inclusivity and, you know, being part of pride events and other things like that. Is that a smarter strategy? I'm I'm not, I'm not in the marketing suite of, of that company to, to tell you what they decided, but I can tell you that I don't think they spent the time to think about, the backlash and in the public relations business, you always have to have the what if, what if question mm-hmm. on the in, on your mind and multiple what ifs. You know, what if people such and such didn't like this, or what if these people are going to come out? And the what if they didn't really plan for here is what if there is a major social media pushback? You know, and in the world we live in today, something can go viral very quickly. Yeah, you know, Dylan Mulvaney has ten million followers or more if you combine different accounts she has, right? Then, then you know, she 
this is going to blow up in a lot of different ways. I don't think they planned and were prepared for the social media impact, which may be lingering uh, for for weeks, uh, weeks or months to come. Now, they ran that ad. I don't know recently, you know, in response to the whole blow up and the ad was just absolutely overrun and just oozing Americana, you know, traditional Budweiser. Mm -hmm. Of course, they got the Clydesdale out there. They had two guys drinking a beer on a porch, all of that stuff. Do you think the American consumer can see through that? Is is that an insult or smack in the face to to the core of of Bud Light? What do you think? Well, I mean, the the commercial that they ran, not this recent one, but the one that they did at the Super Bowl with the puppy and the, you know, making its way home and people were crying about it. You know, so so think about this in late in early February when the Super Bowl was taking place. Right. And now we're in April. Budweiser was lauded as a great company. And this commercial was maybe the voted the best or top commercial for the Super right. Bowl. More right. people, more people saw that commercial, more people saw that commercial than have ever followed Dylan Mulvaney in one hour, one minute, you know? So, so you have to look at the overall factors here. The current commercial, yes, it's oozing this stuff, but that's Budweiser. That's the way they've always been. But Budweiser isn't even an American company anymore. They're owned by Ambev, which is, you know, a European company, you know? So the red, white, and blue of Budweiser is, is more like the Bud Light can, which is blue and white. You know, you, you don't have all the, the tradition still connected to the brand, but, but the older customers relate to the Clydesdales that, you know, that's been part of like Christmas holiday stuff for for decades as part of Super Bowls, you know, and and it's part of Americana. So let's, let's, they're going back to their core, which people know. So I think that that's a smart move in doing that. And I think they're going to pivot back, you know, stay away from some of these marginal campaigns and then focus on their core mm-hmm. uh, messaging. And, you know, they, they own market share. They're in all the stadiums. They're in all the big venues. So they, they have to keep their, you know, their customers happy and remind them of that. And look, Americans have short memories. You know, they're going to, the, I wouldn't be surprised if you see people walking down the street with cases of Bud Light, you know, in a, in a couple of weeks when it gets hot, a Memorial Day rolls around <laughs> you know they, they forget they, they, we forget about this stuff after it's out of the news cycle for a, a week or two we did uh, you know unfortunately have short memories yeah or fortunately yeah. unfortunately you know Either it, way. it's good and bad right so now all right so, so one thing because when i knew i wanted to talk to you about the topic today uh there's also something i'm sure you know most of us are probably familiar with or heard of i think it's certainly prevalent in larger corporations there's two, I don't know if you want to call them indexes or rankings or scores. One is referred to as ESG, which is environmental, social, and corporate governance. And it's how large corporations are rated as far as, you know, how they run their companies, the culture, hiring practices, et cetera. And the other one is DEI, of course, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, those two indexes, which again, is my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, really applies to larger corporations, certainly publicly traded corporations, because they're rated on these scales. Um, it influences how, or I should say, businesses certainly think about how they manage and hire based off of how they're going to be graded. Do you think, so here's the question, Bill, based on those two indexes that are, I, I believe, gaining more momentum, should yeah. they influence how corporations market? 
right. Well, let's, for, for, let's first go take roll the clock back a little bit. You know, and social responsibility or being a good corporate citizen has been around mm. for a long time. So this is mm. not something new. Actually, giving back is good business, right? Absolutely. I, I looked up. I looked up some statistics. You know, and like the large corporations donated like twenty billion dollars to charities, right? So that's that's fantastic. Corporations are doing a lot of social good. You know, the top ten companies donated two billion dollars. I'm sorry, just looking at some of my statistics here. So, but so so social responsibility has been around a long time, right? Now, as we've the company, the country has progressed. You know, we're in a little bit of a progressive era, a woke mm-hmm. era, maybe if you want to call it right, where, yeah. you know, people are looking at, they're concerned about the environment. They're concerned about uh, equity, inclusion and diversity in the workplace. And they're concerned about how, how com- if the com- if companies are fair. Right. And it's it's also it's from an investing point of view. It's all, but it's also from an employment point of view. A lot of statistics show that people want to work at companies that are diverse, and a lot of statistics show the companies that are diverse are actually more successful. So there's 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 evidence around it. So the trend toward you know DEI and ESG is you know has been around for for a while, and so should companies take this into account and promote it, promote their 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 uh, the way they operate their companies and and transparency has become a very you know popular term in the past decade you know talking about how they operate and what and what companies care about and they need to do that to some degree today to attract workers because it's a very hard market to attract people you want to do whatever you can to attract and keep good mm-hmm. employees yeah and you also from an investment point of view you want people to invest in your companies right you know if, if they're part of a fund or if you're part of uh, just just your your stock itself as a publicly traded company you know and do you get the score that it, that it, that allows you to have the credential to to say hey invest in our company because we meet these these criteria all right so maybe they do and maybe they don't so think about a company like I'm not going to use a particular company name, but a, a fossil fuel company, right? A, a oil producing company. But a lot of these oil producing companies, you know, obviously the product creates an environmental problem with, with emissions, right? The other side is in pollution, right? The other side of it is a lot of these companies also invest a lot in renewable energy, you know, because mm-hmm. they have, they see the future too. They want to make efficient energy and they want to make uh, you know, some of them invest in solar, some of them invest in, in, in wind farms and other things like that. So so if you so are you not going to invest in a company like that because one side of the ledger has fossil fuels, but on the other side, they have the green stuff that you may like personally. So that's so that's one aspect of it. Yeah, that's very interesting. Because like you said, you know, a fossil fuel company is, is just a great example because they will invest in alternative energy because they, you know, from a business perspective, they say, Hey, if this is the next big thing, we want in on it and they'll put a lot of money into it. Plus they also have, you know, the big side of the business, which is fossil fuel. So you're, you're kind of torn down the middle on that one. That's tough. Yeah. And then, I mean, I mean, I have a, I have a master's degree in environmental management. That's, you know, that I know a lot about this stuff and, you know, and, and, and being environmentally aware is something that a lot of, a lot of people care about, but it's it's very hard to to pick winners and pick losers. I mean, a rating a rating may give you a certain number 
to look at. But you know, you look at a company like Apple. I like I have Apple. I got an Apple phone. I have some money invested in Apple, right? But 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 Apple produces the the iPhone, right? They give all the minerals and information and and all the manufacturing that goes into creating all their products. You know, they do pollute. You know, it's no secret. They do they take they take raw materials and they they mine and they do all these things. So is is Apple a great technology company? Are they are they a green company? They're definitely, I think, on the side of a good score when it would come to you know a diverse and a great place to work in terms of that aspect of it. So I think I think it's a multi-dimensional thing. I think ratings are a, like like you know the Morningstar ratings for for mutual funds. It's kind of a guide. It, it's and they say these are, these funds are good, but not no rating is perfect. So I think people right, have to watch right. out for this. Remember, remember that there was a big controversy about ESG a couple of weeks back. You know, the Republicans in Congress wanted to to ban and remove uh, fund managers from even considering environmental and other factors when recommending funds. So there's a there's a political side to this too. So people people should do their investigations in terms of what their investments are. And if they feel socially responsible or environmentally responsible, you know, tr- look, look for the things that correlate the best mm-hmm, with them, mm-hmm, speak mm-hmm. with their advisors. But, but we live in a, we live in a world today where people are, they want, they want their money to go to where they want it to go. And other people honestly don't, don't care. They want to just make the profits on the, on their money. So they have what they need, what they need for when they invest. But it's definitely right, a trend right. The people who are, doing you know are are focusing on that for you know for their for their clients and i and but that's just that's just invest investment advisors catering to different niches to you know to do to make money themselves you know and you 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 bring up a great you brought up a great topic with you know if you if you look closely at any company, you use the fossil fuel one as an example, and then you use you know whether it's it's iPhone, uh, it's it's Apple or Samsung, it doesn't matter. Um, and you said in one sense they probably get great grades for diversity in the workplace, right? And I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'll make the assumption because I don't know technically, but I, I think they probably yeah. do, right? Okay. But interestingly, I've come across and you know the rabbit holes of the internet, um, you know the, the cobalt mining for batteries. I mean, if you want to talk about an atrocity lithium. or lithium, yeah. I, I mean, it's, mineral. yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, some of the, the conditions in which, in which these minerals are mined in, in Africa, South Africa is it make your head head spin. But and how about uh, this? What about big, big agriculture? Big agriculture feeds hundreds of millions of people around sure. the world. Big agriculture. Yep. Right. Yep. But in order to do that, they use pesticides. There's pollution. Mm-hmm. There's they, they animal, animal. You know, people can't talk about cows and methane and all these things. So you know, with everything that's good, there 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 potentially is a negative. And and how do you split hairs? You know, right. uh, on these things. So, but I think the bigger picture here is talking about companies being socially responsible, uh, being environmentally responsible, and communicating that right. to their customers, stockholders, and the public in general. But so it, it has to be part of the strategy. If you sit, you have to do it these days because you're almost, you're almost held to account that, uh, that if you're not doing some of this or communicating some of this, you'll be shamed into doing it too. I, I don't think that's right. But mm-hmm. again, giving back and being you know, involved in some of these topics um, does get your company brand and brand out there and people want it. And people 
you know, they expect it to some degree, but in the end, 20 billion or more dollars goes to support a lot of, a lot of good charities. I'm not saying they're all on the up and up. I don't know, you know, the balance sheets of everything, but social responsibility, being a good corporate citizen, you know, has always been good business. I think we're talking about it, looking at through a slightly different lens today, but overall, I think it remains uh, a good strategy and, uh, but has to be a strategy. You have to think it out. You have to look into it and pick the charities that you want. I've worked with companies that have picked some charities and found out later that they're really just not, they're not really very good quality managed charities and mm-hmm. almost scams to some degree. And they had some backlash from it. They, people found out that they donated to them and their, their customers were not very happy because that particular organization had was wrought with fraud. So you have to look at who you support, how you support and uh, where you support. And I'm listen, I'm glad you you brought up the fact that corporate America donates twenty billion a year because listen, you and I personally have been a part of charities that have raised a lot of money here locally in the Long Island market, right? Great charities, and you know, corporate America is generous. And I'm saying, as a business owner, you're a business cool. owner. We, we know it firsthand. Um, so I'm, I'm glad a lot you of brought that up. That, I mean, capitalism. You know, and this is really a little bit of battle on the higher level between, you know, about capitalism and woke capitalism and et cetera. And the fact of the matter is that capitalism has created great wealth and that great wealth has helped to support and lift millions upon millions of people out of poverty, done tremendous good. And it it shouldn't be chastised. I think everyone should discuss uh, how Mm -hmm. and what and ways to support causes uh, and help it improve the lives of people. Um, and that's a good debate to have, but I don't think the uh, shaming of companies to do it is, is a good, is a, is a good approach. And, right, right, right. and uh, after there has to be a balance and, you know, criticizing people for, for whether they choose to support a transgender person or whether they choose to support, a, you know, another more right wing related related cause it we need to be in a forum like this where we can discuss it and people can talk about it openly but mm-hmm. in the at the end of the day uh the, the companies need to do it if, if it one fits with their mission and two uh fits with their uh you know obviously companies are in business to make money so they have to be uh, has to be in, in alignment with that uh as well and what stockholders uh you know can concur with so, all right. So, Bill, let me ask you this. So, so your clients, my clients, we serve, for the most part, typical small businesses, right? And this, the people who listen to the show, the, the fans of the show, are the typical small businesses. And so, so they don't have the resources. They're, they're not Anheuser-Busch, obviously. Um, what do you want the typical small business to take away from this Bud Light, Dylan Mulvaney, uh, experience, if you will. And, you know, if, say, say they do want to get involved in a social cause. So what should they take away from it? What do they learn? And if they want to approach a social cause, you know, what's the smart right. way to go about it so they don't get burnt? It's a, it's, it's a bit of a challenge. My, my, with smaller businesses, I always recommend that companies choose a charity that is close to their heart or to choose mm. a cause that's close to their heart, that 
that they they they're 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 part of, their family's part of, or their business is part of. You know, like law firms that do elder care. It's only logical that they would get involved in like an Alzheimer's charity, right? So it's, right. you know, it's, it fits with what you do. Or if you had a family member that passed away from cancer or something, you know, you you would get involved with that. So th- this is the problem, though, when you get involved with social causes, you know, versus charitable causes, and sometimes they're not connected. They're a little bit different. And if you get involved with things that are politically controversial, then mm-hmm. then you, you're starting to create a, a problem. You know, we're unfortunately we're in a world today where it's about 50 50 split the way that the Americans are in terms of their political leanings. Right. So mm-hmm. you're almost likely if you get involved with anything, it's slightly political that you're going to offend half the people of the country. So right. my my strategy is this. I don't like to get involved with anything that relates to religion. You know, it's it part of your business. You can be a faith person. You know, you can give and things like that. But don't you know that not, not make it a huge part of your your marketing. Two, um, controversial issues. Stay far away from controversial issues and politics. You know, I, I stay away. Recommend staying away from politics or things that are political. You know, um, and these some of these social causes are better left out of out of a business and you can focus on something else that you really that you really believe in and and you want to stay away from these potential pitfalls that could uh could cause challenges i'm not saying that it's wrong to do those things but in a business context where it can impact your business you you probably need to think about it very deeply before you were to get you know involved with that you see when people support candidates on either side that it that it that it impacts their business you see when they <laughs> They're involved with controversial causes. Some people want to boycott them. Other people flock to them. Other people flock to them. Right, so, right, right. Yeah, we're we're in a very tenuous type of situation today, where a lot of thought has to go into who you choose to align with, what you choose to post online. Mm-hmm. And my theory about that is, if you ever have any question about what you're going to post online, don't post it online, and mm-hmm. at least let it sit. Open. At least let it sit overnight. Until right. you uh, hash it out uh, and, and really take your time to to look. Remember the good, the bad, the ugly. There's good things about spokespeople. There's and the, but there could be bad and ugly things about them, too. So it's 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 complex. Yeah, no, it, it, it is. And uh, man, we could keep going on this. But it's like it's not that any of these topics necessarily are wrong or bad, but we have to realize because there's. Like you said, you know, you can alienate, you know, half of the marketplace. So I think the takeaway for the small business owners is know what you're getting involved with, you know, really dig deep to understand what could be the repercussions. And and are, are you okay with it, really, is what it comes down to. Yeah. And, and I think something else to be said, though, because there, there, there's always going to be people, no matter what you do, they're mm-hmm. going to criticize your business or you personally. I call them cave people. They're citizens against virtually everything, right? You know, <laughs> they, they, so you're so you're always going to have somebody who's going who's going to complain no matter what you do, right? Right. So don't don't let that alone. If a few people are going to say something, stop you from doing something that you you feel mm-hmm. is important to you. But the fact is, don't be naive enough to expect that it won't happen. You know, and are you prepared? If it starts to happen and starts to blow up, uh, do you know what to do to re- to respond to it 
or not respond to it. Because sometimes, like they say in medicine, first do no harm. So sometimes you just got to let things lie. And by the way, I think you're going to kind of see a little bit of that with the Bud Light thing. I think they're just going to kind of slowly mm-hmm. step back from it and let it, let yeah. it dissipate. And, and, and likely in six weeks at Memorial Day, people will be drinking Bud Light again. <laughs> I, th- I think I think you're right. We, we will we will see. Uh, listen, Bill, thanks for jumping on board today. Great topic, great timing. Uh, always love your insight. Very good, Tim. See you soon. You got it. My pleasure. And that, of course, is Bill Corbett, president of Corbett Public Relations. And uh, certainly visit him and his team at CorbettPR.com. And tune in to shows just like today. Each and every Wednesday they drop. And we'll be sharing thoughts and insight that'll help you win the battle for business. Until next time, it's the Profit Express.